Hey, 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 you're listening to the Strong and Capable Podcast with Bridgette Heller, where we talk about radical motivation, life's ups and downs, and all the victories that come with it. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Strong and Capable Podcast. I have Heidi Tucker here with me. Heidi, you want to say hello? Hi, Bridgette. Thank you for having me here. It's just so great to be here. It's so good to be with you here, Heidi. Heidi actually reached out to me and said, I feel like my story and the strong and capable belong together. And I, of course, didn't know you yet, but I was like, okay, let's talk. So we got talking and Heidi has an incredible story that she shared with the world. world. I was just telling her before this interview that the way she writes is just so beautiful and easy to read. And I'm excited for everyone here to learn about Heidi, to learn about her story. Let me share a little bit about her. She, I'm going to read, see in her book, the back, her bio right here for you guys. She won the book of the year finalist award and best inspirational book for her first and second books, Finding Hope in the Journey. And is it set? I was wondering about this. Is it Survey song? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Because I was looking on your social media and, you know, getting to know you and all your mm-hmm. books and whatnot, but she seems like she has an incredible story too. So I'm excited to hear about that. Her passion for writing and speaking about light and hope has inspired thousands. Heidi is known as a great storyteller who motivates others to rise up and find new strength. Um, does this sound like the strong and capable? Yes. It yeah. Does. So Heidi was right <laughs> through her writing and speaking. She teaches how to find hope in your own journey and how to make a difference. When Heidi isn't writing her books or speaking at a conference, you'll find her spending time outdoors with her husband, four grown children, 10 grandchildren, and she loves sunflowers, hiking, ice cream, not necessarily in that order, though ice cream should be pretty high up there. And that's book. pretty high up there. <laughs> what is your favorite ice cream? Oh, probably strawberry. Mm. Yeah. But should it be homemade or is there a brand that calls to you? Mm. You know, the Tillamook chocolate peanut butter is amazing. And so is the strawberry. Yeah. yeah. Chocolate peanut butter is usually my oh, so good. My week the bowl with, with, with two, you know, a scoop of each would be just the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whenever I've had a long day or I've been at a conference all day or something, I often come home and my husband will just have a peanut butter and chocolate ice cream there for me. There you <laughs> go. I got you this. Yes. Yes. It's the greatest. Well, Heidi, let's talk about your book. I already mentioned that your writing is just so beautiful and easy to read and you dive into some intense subjects, but your purpose of diving into these is to show, as you said it in the bio, or as I said in the bio, that there is light and hope in the journey, that it, we don't have to day in those dark and horrible spaces that some of these women have found themselves in. So would you mind telling us a little bit about The Secret Keepers? What is it about? It's a real story. These are not fictional. These are real people that you write about. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I only write uh, nonfiction narrative, uh, true stories. And because there's nothing better than that. That's, That's what I love to read. So that's what I write. And The Secret Keepers is the true story of a woman who was uh, horrifically abused as a young girl, uh, clear up through high school, and she uh, encountered so much abuse on a daily basis that um, at some point in her childhood, her mind split into different parts to be able to survive that abuse. 
And that used to be called multiple personality disorder. We now call it dissociative identity disorder or DID for short. And so it's, it's the story of, um, I bring that up in the beginning of the book because I have to set the stage. You have to understand where she's been to, to follow her journey and to appreciate the incredible ability that she has to rise up from that, to rise up from her abuse, to redefine who she is, right? And all of that, all of that, those great lessons that she teaches us in her story. And so it's really following her in her life as she receives the correct diagnosis. And then she goes on to pull herself up out of the ashes of that abuse and to form her own life and to redefine who she is as a mother and as a grandmother and to really just live with DID because that does not go away. We find that in children under the age of eight who've been abused to the point that they cannot escape. And so often that's what, what we find it. And that, that appears later in life. Generally with women, it's in their 30s. It can be in your 40s. And all of a sudden you start seeing sort of glimpses of things that your mind will bring forward. Um, uh, you might hear something, triggers will set you off. And those little parts that saved you, that helped you survive that abuse are beginning to come forward. Mm -hmm. And it's very confusing for the adult that says, what is this? You know, what is this? I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand my dreams, what I'm, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing. I feel like I'm disappearing a little bit. And so we get to chronicle her. We get to follow her in that so that we really understand and appreciate what DID is like to live, to live in that world. And then we see her pull up above that and to really find out who her core is and to really just move forward and take control of her life. And it's just a beautiful, hopeful, inspirational story. So, and it just won an award for two, uh, 2021. I'm just thrilled. It was a panel of judges that were from all different religions and they gave it a best inspirational, they call it the Enduring Light Best Inspirational Award. And I couldn't be happier because abuse is a dark subject, mm -hmm. but um, I think we nailed it in that what we really wanted this book to be is a book about hope mm -hmm. and a book about rising up and, and inspiring people to rise above their own challenges, whether it's abuse or whether it's anything else in life, we can do this. Mm -hmm. We can do this, you know, and, and that's why I love the strong and capable. We have that ability to rise up and to be strong and capable and move forward in our lives. And that's exactly what this story illustrates. If Margie can do it, you know, hopefully the reader says, okay, then I can do it. Mm -hmm. I can do it. So love I it. I love that. I love that. And I love Margie's story and the you know, I have, it was interesting reading pieces of this because as someone with anxiety and depression that's fought it my whole life and some trauma in my past, there were so many things I could relate to. And part mm -hmm. of me hated that, but part of me was thankful to know. And as she knows, she goes to some group therapy that I wasn't alone, right? Right. <laughs> so right. there's some inspiration there too for those who have been through the dark space. So often your mind goes places and you're like, whoa. I can't tell people I went there or am I the only one or, right. you know, there was a, a poem in there. She's talking about driving 
and driving through these different spaces. And, you know, you can kind of feel the did in that poem <laughs> throughout mm -hmm. it, but it really strongly, actually, I thought it was a beautiful example of this associative identity disorder. Did she write that poem? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So when I was reading the poem, I just thought, it's interesting with anxiety because a lot of what she describes, she describes in this poem of like, she's someone else is maybe in the driver's seat and then maybe it's her and then maybe it's someone else. And the, do the other drivers even notice her? And how does she, does she pretend to not notice them? And just the whole process of her mind mm -hmm. and how she's trying to survive in the world where she doesn't feel like anybody else right. at all, but right. she wants to be part of the world, but part of her just doesn't want to be part of the world because it's easier not to be. Well, the world betrayed her. Yes. Yeah. The world betrayed her. So it's, it's finding that trust again mm -hmm. and trusting yourself too, your own core, your own spirit and being able to move forward with that. Yeah. And that, that is the hero's journey, right? That is the strong mm -hmm. capable is really holding back enough and doing the things necessary that you can trust yourself. Yes. You know, and what you have and what you've been through, that it is part of your journey, but it does not define your journey it, only in the way that you allow it to. Does it define your journey where it holds you back or does it define your journey where it becomes a beautiful part of who you are, even if it was ugly? Right, you know? right. Yeah, it's okay. learning to love yourself despite what has happened in the past. Yes. yes. It's, that, it's that whole journey of rising up. And I just love it. I love her. She's so amazing. It's an interesting, like you said, it's an intense subject. But one of the things that I loved about it was like you said, as she trusted herself, one of the things she did is trust other people. She found people that she could lean on mm -hmm. that would help her through this. People that she could trust to guide her through it, whether it was different doctors or friends. These were people that were her places she could go to. Right. And that is another thing that's like no matter what you've been through you need people yes you need to build a team around you a team that's going to help help and support and encourage and applaud and yeah and, and allow you to fall you know and they'll catch you and it's it's all of that yeah building a team mm -hmm. a team who's there and they are safe you know there's they're not usually who you expect either. I would just add that for anyone who's like, well, I don't have a team. Uh-huh. They're not usually the people you expect. Right. You know, and right. I know my mom, when I was a little girl, and I don't usually talk about religion on podcasts, but when I was a little girl, I often felt outside and alone. I, again, anxiety. It, it's like someone screaming in your head, the worst uh, case scenario at all times. So mm -hmm. this was even when I was little, you know, someone would look at me across the room just look, maybe they were glancing at the clock behind me, but I had decided they were looking at me with malice and I hate her, you know? Right. So then I couldn't talk to him for 10 days because, or whatever, you know, this is a fifth graders understanding of anxiety and what's happening in my brain, but I would feel alone a lot. And my mom would say, Chet, get on your knees and pray and say, who, who can I reach out to? Who can I love and serve? And who can be that person that is my person, you know, right. just because your mind will be opened in ways that you didn't expect. You'll see things that maybe you wouldn't have initially. And I just think that's, it was great advice then. And it's something I still use to this day when I'm lost, I pray or meditate or pause. And I think who else, what else, what could be, mm -hmm. you know, and it's usually the people that I never in a million years would have considered are right. the ones that are the best people. And the 
most beloved in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that just kind of struck me too with mm-hmm. the book. So I had mentioned to you before, one of the doctors, Jay, talks about a safe place and creating a safe place. What is this that they do or did? So the safe place is something, it's, it's a something that you imagine in your mind, you build it up in your mind as a place for, for Margie. It's a place that her parts can go to do different jobs. So in other words, their main job as a little, when she was a little girl was to protect her. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, it's giving them that the danger is gone. Now there are no, there are no more abuses, abusers in her life. And so it's, a, it, she builds a place that it feels safe and comfortable that she can give them new jobs for her. That is a farm for someone else. It could be a beach home, um, it, depending on kind of where you've been and where the abuse has been. They use this for war veterans as well. Um, it's a, it's a really effective tool that therapists will use. So for her, it was a farm. And so she's able to envision that farm and to say to her parts, let's go, I'm going to give you some new jobs to do on the, on the farm. There's some puppies and there's some kittens, there's horses to feed. Uh, there are beautiful, you know, angels there that are going to read stories to you. What, you know, whatever, whatever they need to do, if they want to work in the vegetable garden. So it's a, it's an imagine, you know, it's a, it's a mental process that you take yourself on to find that safe place so that you sort of calm everything down and everything has a purpose that is peaceful and is happy and is loving. And so it allows her, she does this every morning and it allows her to continue on with her day and the parts are not getting riled up or triggered because they are in the safe place. And it's so effective for DID and it's effective for veterans and anyone else who's been through trauma. And so therapists that are really well-skilled in it, um, find it very, very useful for their patients and their clients. This is a really um, interesting concept to me, but it makes so much logical sense because Mm -hmm. again, in in a world where it's becoming very trendy and thankful for it, for the meditation and prayer tools, this is a form of that, of creating space. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just a very detailed form of meditation, really. Mm-hmm. And of really focusing on something other than maybe what you're feeling, what's, you know, the, the anxiety or whatever is right in front of you, that's causing your blood pressure to go up and, mm-hmm. and frightening you and, and all of that. It just is, it's a pause. It's a pause in all of that and turning it around and making it positive, productive so that you can continue on your day. And really any one of us could do that every morning or if we're, if we encounter something in our day that we need to just pause and we need to sort of rewire our thinking for the moment, right? Because sometimes we're triggered by something and we immediately go negative, mm-hmm. right? And those little gremlins that sit on our shoulders start to tell us in our ear, all these negative things, you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough. And so maybe we need to stop at times like that, we can stop and pause. And whatever your safe place is, whatever your meditation or you've discovered to do that, pause and just take a minute and rewire your thinking, turn it around and then go forward. Yeah. I find that really helpful for myself as well. So much power in the pause I had when I was setting up the year for the strong and capable podcast, one of the months 
coming up literally has the power of the pause in it, in the yeah. theme of it. And it's because so many of our greatest moments, whatever those look like, our greatest um, overcomings, our greatest victories mm-hmm. happen after a pause. Yes. You know, that reset, that pulling back. And then almost always along with the pause comes a trusting, a letting go. Yes. Letting go of all these things in our mind, all these worries and these fears and letting go. And that's really what the safe place does. Allows the let go, the mind yes. to let go of it all mm-hmm. and move forward. Right. Versus what we sometimes do. I say we, assuming I'm not the only one. I don't think <laughs> I am. Um, versus running away from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then it's always back there. It's behind you and you're running and you're keeping yourself overly busy and overly distracted. And that works temporarily, but long-term that is not healthy mm-hmm. and it's not the best way to handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely agree with you, Bridget. The power in the pause is where it's at. It's where it's at. And I am guilty of, I wouldn't have viewed it as running away till you just said it just now, but the, the overly busy, I'll fill up my yeah. schedule. I'll have my to-do list. I'll do, I'll be, I'll be checking all those boxes, mm-hmm. but things aren't moving forward. And so I'm progressively getting more angry and more emotional and more frustrated. And then it starts to filter yeah. into everything, right? The family life, the marriage, even the driving world, right. everyone is out to get me. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting temporarily it works, but long-term you're beating yourself up. Yep. Yeah. And so every time what's required is a reset, a pause Mm -hmm. and a letting go. Right. (laughs) Always. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit for the audience, because this was some of the questions I asked you when we first met, I was just fascinated. I was like, how did you find Margie? How did this story unfold? How is Margie now? Tell us a little bit about the story of finding Margie, working with Margie, and how is she now? Yeah. So that's she, a lot. Those are three things. There. Yeah. She, um, she found me because she read my first two books, Finding Hope in the Journey and Survey Song. And a mutual friend gave those books to her um, to, to sort of try to, you know, buoy her spirits up. And she knew she'd kind of been going through a hard time. And so that mutual friend called me one day and said, would you just do me a favor and call Margie and just say, hi, I'm Heidi Tucker. I wrote, you know, I'm the author of these other two books. And I just want to thank you for loving my books. And I'm, I'm always love to do that. I love to interact with readers. And so I did that. And Margie said, um, you know, we talked a little bit and she said, I have a story too. And people tell me that all the time. Um, They know that I write true stories. And so I hear that a lot boy, do I have a story for you. But I said, okay, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I just kind of sat back in a chair and relaxed. And, um, you know, within five minutes, I was scrambling for a piece of paper and a pencil. Because (laughs) what I heard from her was something I have never had a real conversation about. Mm -hmm. And I immediately knew that she had been in a really dark place as a child. Um, She quickly introduced me to DID and what that was. Um, So I immediately know she's a multiple. Mm -hmm. But what I heard within those, um, those that about 45 minutes that we talked, what I heard was I heard courage. I heard faith. I heard this incredible ability to rise up and I, and I heard gratitude. Mm -hmm. 
she was so grateful for everything. She kept coming back to it. She would tell me a little bit more about her childhood. And then she'd come back and talk about what she was grateful for. And that's what caught my attention because as an inspirational writer, um, and I love to write about hope, hope is just like the theme that runs through everything that I write. And whenever I speak, you're going to hear about hope. Mm -hmm. And that's what I heard from her. And so I hung up the phone and I said, you know, I'll, I'd love to meet you in person someday. And so we did that a few months later, we met in person. And after that meeting, I mean, I knew I was writing that book. Um, it's one of those things that my head was saying, don't you dare, don't you go there. This is so big. This is so complicated. This is dark, right? Mm -hmm. But my heart was saying, you've been called to do this. Yeah. You can do this. If anybody can find hope in this story, it's you. And so I followed my heart and I jumped in with two feet and it took me two years to write this story because I wanted to do it justice. I didn't want to just do a quick write. I wanted this. I wanted to understand Margie to learn about dissociative identity disorder. I wanted um, to find the hope and the light in her and to celebrate it on the pages of this book. And that was what I think that we did. We, we, I think we accomplished what we both wanted to do because her story is a Stephen King novel and I'm not a Stephen King author. That's not what I want to write. I'm the wrong author if that's what you want. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want that either. We wanted to celebrate the ability that she has to rise up. And so, so that's what we've done. And we are just um, dear, dear friends for, for life now. I just love her. I have learned so much. I'm, I'm a better person for knowing her. I'm absolutely better. And she changed me. Um, and so I really appreciate that. So we are still great friends. She um, is so happy about this book because she feels like it's given her life some real purpose that she's lifting others, not only survivors, we both get emails from survivors of abuse who have reached out and said, you know, holy cow, you, you nailed it in this book. Like I've never read anything that, that I could say, oh my gosh, this was my life. You know, it was so relevant to them, but at the same time, it just motivated them to rise up just like she did. You know, if Margie can do it, so can I. We've also received so many emails from hundreds from people who have no um, abuse in their past, but they were so inspired by her story. And so we, we've just, just, we both, we love it. We share emails with each other when we get them, when we both just get on the phone and cry together. It's just this lovely result of doing something hard. It, it was hard for me to write it, to really get this right. It was hard for her to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? I mean, she had to share, you know, some of the darkest secrets of her life. And the title, The Secret Keepers, really, it refers to more than one thing. The Secret Keepers were her little parts. They kept those secrets from her during the abuse so that she could survive as a child. They were able to pull back and they pull those memories right out. It's just this beautiful protection that I believe God gave each of us a brain that has that ability to do that so that we can survive some really horrific events in our life. The secret keepers were the parts. Those are children because it happened when she was a child. 
The secret keepers were her parents who abused her. They lived one life outside of the house and a very different life inside with Margie. Um, the secret keepers um, includes Margie. She kept secrets from everybody mm -hmm. uh, until recently. And so it's just this, um, I think it's a perfect title, but it really describes where she's been and, and now where she's come because she's come full circle. Now she's got a book out, you know, it's, it's all over the world. Her story, I mean, what a vulnerable position that was for her. She's so brave to do that. And I'm just so impressed with that kind of bravery and that kind of vulnerability that helps me to sort of say, I can do that too. It is so beautiful, her story, because when we talk about strength, you've, you've referred to her so often as light, hope, strength, strong, you know, these, these words we associate with people on top of the food chain, if you will, for right. lack of a better, we associate them with, you know, the Instagram influencers, even the people that visually we're seeing mm -hmm. that have it all together that are going on the vacations, that are successful in business, that are whatever your version yeah. of living life right mm -hmm. is, we associate those words with them instead of ourselves. And when you read her story and you feel pieces of her, or when you speak about her and you can feel these truths, that is true strength. I, I really believe, and this is why we're called the strong and capable, strength needs to be redefined. Yeah. Not as that ideal person that is not actually real because even those people struggle, yeah. you know, but as seeing, like you said, courage to share a story, mm -hmm. courage to share the dark pieces and acknowledge that they're real courage to keep moving day after day, even when it is heartbreaking at times to do so. Mm -hmm. This is strength. It's strength. strength. Yeah. I've said to her before, and I continue to say to her, Margie, what happened to you is dark, but you are light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's There's right. a big difference there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know why this keeps coming to mind, but there is a, the parable of the good Samaritan, right? Where right. There's not the good Samaritan, wrong one, wrong parable. It's fine. I know my, that's a good no one too. Parables. That's a good one too, right? No, the parable of, and I'm missing it up because I'm only thinking of how it's been redefined in my mind. It's where the father gives everything to the kid and he goes off and squanders it. What parable is that? What's the name? Uh, of the, the prodigal son, the prodigal son, right? So my whole life, I have been around prodigal sons and they glory in this return. And they're like, right. I'm so thankful for my hardship and then my return. And, and yes. I, all, so it is true and beautiful, mm -hmm. but as a human, I have, so I'm laying my soul for the audience right now. <laughs> there we go. It's all about vulnerability on this one, right? Yeah, here it is. Here it is. People, this is strength. <laughs> so people would get up and say that people like Margie, I'm sure would get up and say, I'm so thankful for that return, you know? Yes. And I would get frustrated because I would think, but I quote unquote have done everything right. Quote unquote, right? Like I have followed all the rules and I have, so where's my return? Where is yeah. that? Cause I was the kid who stayed home and did what dad wanted to. So right. like, what is this for me? Well, the Hebrew culture looks at the same parable differently and they look at it as we are all 
that person, which we know technically we're all the person who messes up at times in our life and doesn't live it perfectly. Everyone in their heart knows that they haven't lived life perfectly. Everyone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, we like to pretend we don't, but it doesn't even matter if you're religion or not, you know, you haven't lived life as best as you could. Right. Um, So they look at it, they call it the running father. And it's the pot, pot, uh, the parable of the running father. And so I thought that I can get behind that. I yeah. understand this doesn't make my heart feel sad because even though I'm the one who stayed home, I still mess up all the time and I go to dark places and I've had my struggles and I'm not always strong and capable. Sometimes I'm crying and saying, I'm strong and capable, I'm strong and capable <laughs> right. in the dentist chair or wherever it is. Yeah. But, you know, like I also know in my heart because I've preach it all the time. This is strength, but it doesn't feel strong. It doesn't feel strong. And so the idea that someone is coming for me and is running to me, despite my imperfections that I could get behind this. So I just think my point to all that is, is we have to define strength and struggle in a real way and in a way that makes sense to our heart. Mm -hmm. And so I would see these people who put out their struggle and said, it is now my strength. And I didn't feel the same way because I didn't understand it. And I had to see a different version for me to understand that I also had strength in my struggle. They were just different. Right. Right. One of the lessons that Margie teaches me too is the lesson of persistence, Mm -hmm. which is just, you keep, you know, every time you fall down, you know, take a minute, and have your own little pity party, but, but find the strength to get back up on your knees and stand up and take one step forward. You don't have to run. It's perfectly acceptable to walk. Mm-hmm. Just walking is fine. Take a step, take another step, take another step. And we see that in Margie's story. And that helps us to see it in ourselves. When in our life have we been persistent that we have just continued to move forward and um, I just love that. I, I love that to carry on, to persist, to endure and to, you know, we never finish. I don't think we ever finish in this life. I feel like our entire life is a journey, is a process, mm-hmm. right? Because there are going to be different mountains to climb. I'm I'm seeing my parents in their eighties climb very different mountains now mm-hmm. that they never had to worry about before that's persistence. That's just, you know, finding that strength, that inner strength, tapping into your core, your divine identity, your spirit, whatever you call that Mm -hmm. to, to find the strength to move forward. Yeah. And knowing that yours looks different. Yeah. You're about walking, not running or running, not walking. And I'm remembering years ago, my dad and I did a 5k And I, we had decided we're doing it together. So I trained for this 5k, I had three babies. I wanted to get my body back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had that young determination that sometimes young moms get. Right. (laughs) I trained for it and I was ready for it. So day of the race, we get there and we're ready to go. And I've got my little running shoes on and my running outfit. And my dad, bless his heart, shows up in his work clothes, like he's a, he works in an office. So he's got slacks and a shirt and work shoes. And I was like, Hey dad, are you running the race with me? Yeah, I'm running. You're going to run in that dad. Yep. I'm running. Wow. Okay. I don't, you know, and I have no idea. I need to ask him why he showed up that way, but he was there to run the race, whether he was in running shoes or not. 
And he couldn't, of course, run the race in those shoes. And so he ran for a little bit and then he walked. And I remember running circles around him and kind of teasing him because I was immature. But <laughs> I'm like, dad, come on, pick it up. And we were the last people in race. I didn't run ahead of him. I wanted to stay with him. We had committed to do it together. So we stayed together and, and, um, we, we got a police escort down the main street. Cause you know how the races, they always end on a main street, like the parade route or whatever. So here right. it is the main street we're running down. And I say, we got a police escort because we were so far behind everyone else that they were trying <laughs> to close down the race. Right. <laughs> so they had the police following us to like be like this is the end of the race no one helps in the race right but I look back on it and you know what courage it took for him to walk those steps in his work office clothes yeah you know but exactly. he, he knew he had committed to his daughter that he would run the race with her and so he did it right and I can't imagine that was his finest moment either but we yeah. did it together and now it's one of it's like a cherished memory because it's so funny right he did that and it's, I'm just so thankful yeah I think um it's so important that we commit that we make commitments in our life and keep them mm -hmm. but I think really the greatest calling in our life is the calling to continue Hey, hey, friends. So let's talk just for a second. We interrupted this episode for a purpose. Let's talk about the Awake community. I need you. I need your light. I need your goodness. I need your strength. We need you. This community is incredible. It's authentic. We talk about all the real things. If you're listening to this podcast, we're talking about the things that we talk about in this podcast, but in real life. We're having discussions and, you know, really diving in on it and doing workbooks and having special guests that feature exactly around these specific subjects it's very cool and if you are a strong person who knows who you are knows where you're going and you're ready to be authentic fully come on now come join us you can sign up on www.thestrongandcapable.com backslash awake i would love to have you there dm me let's get chatting time to join Yeah, I mean, that's it right there. Uh, the details of our life are going to change. Situations are going to change. Um, your environment's going to change. There's so many mental, spiritual, physical, emotional, all of that's going to be a roller coaster. But the calling is to continue and to figure out how to do that when the details are changing. So, what's constant? If the details are changing, you've got to find in yourself what's constant it's it's tapping in again to that core it's it's gathering your team if you have one or adding new people as you go as your situations change you you maybe change your teammates a little bit yeah. find your constants in your life because life itself is going to change mm -hmm. and we will be okay we have that ability to continue and to rise up when we trip and we stumble over those those um roots and those rocks and those you know, they trip us up and that's absolutely normal and it's expected and it's part of the growth to continue. And to, I would add to that, to find purpose mm -hmm. and there's going to be different purposes at different times, just like the players are going to change in your life. The, you know, the players of the game, the yeah. supporting you and whatnot, the purposes are going to change. But if you are always seeking, I think hope seekers, you talk about hope, mm -hmm. always have purpose. 
Yeah. Even they're hoping for. Right. I'm such an example of that, Bridget, because there is no, on my bucket list, there is nothing that says I want to be an author. <laughs> Nowhere on there. I mean, I never even dreamed about that. And um, I mean, that has just happened. I mean, it happened at, at 50. At 50 is when I sort of got that. For me, it was just a really spiritual prompting, a real calling that said, you need to write. And I was like, what? You know, I don't, why would I want to do that? Why would anyone care about anything that I have to say? And it was persistent enough and strong enough that I eventually did that. And I wrote that first book, which was just this huge leap of faith for me to write a book about hope. And some things in my life were really, I was really struggling at that time in my life. And so that was hard for me to reach deep down and write about um, the hope that I felt and how to continue on and to march forward. And so, but I didn't see that coming. So my life right now looks very different than I ever thought it would be in my fifties. I'm going to be 60 this summer. Never dreamed I'd be speaking at conferences, right? And writing books. And I mean, that's just came out of left field, really, truly. And so I, I honestly believe, and I know for a fact, just in my own experience that um, whether you're a believer in God or universe or spirit or whatever your belief system is, that is going to lead you where your gifts lie. Because mm -hmm. I believe for myself, I, I believe that God knows my gifts even better than I do. And he got me there. He helped to help me to find that path that I could use to make a difference and to have an influence on others and to build people up. You know, I think we're here to continue and to reach out and hold the hands of others who are also trying to get up out of their own ditches mm -hmm. and to help them along the path. And so I'm able to do that with my writing and my speaking and what an incredible blessing. I just feel so, so um, amazed that I was led here because I didn't see it on any list. It wasn't anywhere. <laughs> I'm a business major from Arizona State University. And, um, but here I am writing books. So it's really wonderful. That left turn was amazing. Yes. And I think, you know, one of the things, if you're in my awake community, we talk about a lot is the tenets of a strong and capable person. And one of those tenets is knowing who you are, where you're going, how to get there. That's the base. Mm -hmm. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. And again, that changes as we talked about earlier all the time. <laughs> but when you know who you are, a huge part of that is knowing that you have divine attributes, that you are of divine origin. And I think when you tap into that source, exactly like you said, that's when you get the beautiful, back to the mm -hmm. power of the pause, pausing and tapping into that. Oh my gosh, if you're looking for purpose yeah. and it will hardly ever be what you expected. I know even for myself on this journey all the time, I'm like, how did I not hear this sooner? I've known since it, some of the things that I'm doing now, I wanted to do since I was a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, and I can clearly see the evidence, but it feels out of left field for me Yes, you know, at the same time. And that's how life sometimes works. And it's really beautiful, but you have to pause and listen, as you said, yeah. you listened, you listened and look what, look at what's come of it. How yeah. many lives have changed because of it. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Okay. It's one of the great, it's, it's now taking me on, on just a great journey that I, mm -hmm. that I never saw coming. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. A great way to, to make a difference and help people and inspire others. And mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I thought I had a, a different sight in mind, but nope, nope, but here, here I are. am. Yeah, it looks different. And I think that's, I think that's really something that's not unusual, right? For all of us, it looks different than what we thought. Every decade looks a little bit different than maybe what you imagined in your life that your life would look like. Yes. And that's bring, okay. It's okay to bring the hope into that is to let go of whatever vision mm -hmm. and, and see that it's kind of like you're staring at one painting and you pivot just a little bit. And this new painting is actually a reality and it's beautiful, but you have to pivot. To yeah. It. It's you scary know? for a lot of us to embrace change, but really change is where the growth is. Yes even though it's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is where the growth is. Yes. It was very uncomfortable for me to write that first book. I felt all those gremlins were firing off. They were partying big time on my shoulders, telling me I'm not smart enough. You're a business major for heaven's sakes. You can't write books. You know, all of those things. Who are you are? Who do you think you can be to be giving this advice? Yep. And uh, yeah, that's what happens to all of us. When we're embarking on a change, those gremlins get fired up. Mm -hmm. But it's taking that pause and it's going back to your why. It's going back to your why, to your purpose, to who I am, where I'm going, how do I get there? It's all of that. It just looks a little different and that's what's intimidating. It is, you know, it's interesting. I have a huge poster right next to me and it says, I choose to walk sacred. And the reason this poster, I had it printed, it says, I have to strong and capable on the bottom. And yeah. <laughs> the reason I had it printed is because when I started the podcast, I was scared like you, it was an out of left field. I never thought I'd be doing this in a yes. million years. I didn't want to do it. I don't like the sound of my voice. Well, who would I even talk to? Who would listen? There are right. all the things, like you said, the gremlins on the shoulders, all the things are popping up. And I was scared. I was scared of being embarrassed. I was scared of failure. I was scared of putting it out there and people being not appreciating it or liking it or, um, failing my family? What if it, all the energy and time that this goes into, how will that affect my family? You know, mm -hmm. there were just a million things that my mind came up with why this was scary and not a good idea. And I was pausing and praying and meditating. And I call them divine downloads when they're these thoughts that you yeah. know are not quite yours. Right. And they're magical and they change your life and your perspective. And so I was just feeling in the fear, but trying not to, not wanting to, not wanting to stay in that place. And the words came to my head, Bridgette, switch the two letters. And I'm not very good at spelling sometimes. <laughs> That's something I'm still learning mm -hmm. how to spell, spell check and be your best friends. But, you know, scared is, I literally have to, S-C-A-R-E-D is scared, yeah. right? And if you just switch the A and the C, it's sacred. And the that. thought came to me, Bridgette, anytime you're scared and you choose to move forward anyway, you are entering sacred ground. Mm -hmm. This is transformational ground and it is sacred and it is holy and it is what will make you who you're meant to be. So yeah. walk sacred, not scared. Right. And now look at you. P people like me are knocking on your door saying, I want to be on your podcast. We are total soul sisters, Bridget. I've got a, um, I'm looking right now at a thing on the wall here in my den and it says, until God opens the next door, praise him in the hallway. Oh, I love that. Right. Because yeah. right. You don't, you might not know where you're going. You're in the hallway. You don't know which way you're going, but just take a minute. It's going to, it's coming. It's coming. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. And there's so many, we could go for hours on doorways and, and all that thing. And, you know, oh yeah. Beautiful analogies there, but, and I like an analogy as a reader and as, as a mm-hmm. creator. Uh, anyway, Heidi, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed this conversation. You just have such a beautiful, calm spirit about you. I just really love being in your space. And I know the audience will, how can they find you? They, the easiest way to find me is HeidiTucker.com. And there um, you can see all of my books. You can reach out to me. There's a contact page on there. Um, there's media lists. There's all kinds of things on there and more to learn more about me, HeidiTucker.com. Okay. My books are also available on Amazon, but I think they're cheaper direct from me, um, but they are also available on Amazon. And so that's an easy way to reach out. Yep. I have the secret keepers for those who are watching YouTube. Um, I'm holding it up right now. And it is truly a beautiful book, not just visually, but the words inside that the story of Margie and the words that Heidi has written, they're worth your time. I did get mine off Amazon. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to give away this copy. So those listening, I will post it on Instagram this week. Go ahead and enter there. It's B-R-I-G-E-T-T-E dot Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R. If you're not following me, which you should be. So um, you better be. Anyway, go follow me there because that's where the giveaway will be for Heidi with the Secret Keepers. And we're going to wrap this podcast up. Thank you so much for coming, Heidi. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here. Hey friends, thank you for listening to this episode of the Strong and Capable podcast with our theme this year of saying yes to life. If you love this episode, please share it with your friends on all the social media things because we're everywhere. You can find me on Instagram at Bridgette, B-R-I-G-E-T-T-E dot Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R. Or you can find us on Facebook at the Strong and Capable. That's the free community. And if you're thinking, hmm, it's time for me to live awake, fully step in to who I am and who I can be, then go to www.thestrongandcapable.com backslash awake, or you can just go to our homepage and you'll find how to sign up there. From that point, I will add you to our private Facebook group and you will be Zooming with us every week. It will be amazing. I hope you have a good week. Remember, you are strong and capable.